0: This is our second mini lecture on fights. We're going to take a look at how school personnel can prevent fights. Uh, Remember, generally speaking, it's better to prevent discipline problems of any type than to have them happen, even if you deal with them well. So let's look at what school people can do to prevent fights. All right. Remember, preventing fights is better than dealing with them. A lot of fights in a school or a particular classroom means that school personnel are not doing specific things that prevent fights. Um, you may have people tell you, well, this is a rough school and our students are really rough and you know that's just normal part of being here. That's not true. Even the roughest kids, uh, let's say you're working in a detention center with kids who, who have some uh, really rough uh, background. They're already well into the Juvenile Justice Center. They've got a history of uh, assault, whatever. You, You may have more problems than you would with a different population. But by and large, in that setting, if you've got a lot of fights, frequent fights, again, you're not doing what you need to do to shut those fights down and prevent them, even with a very difficult group. All right, what can we do? First of all, fighting needs to be included in the school rules. There needs to be specific, clear rules about fighting for the whole school, and there needs to be effort made to teach rules to students. Remember, not explain, but communicate to students. Teach to them, teach to them the rule about fights and consequences. If you get in a fight at school, here are the consequences. Second, you need to make sure parents know that there are parents who encourage their kids to fight. Don't you let them say things about you, all right? You know, in our family, we never run from a fight. Uh, you may have parents who communicate racist uh, or other kinds of discriminatory prejudicial attitudes and who, uh, again, encourage or set their kids up to fight. Let parents know fighting is against the school rules, no matter what they think, and participating in fights will be punished severely. So make sure your students know what the rule is, what the consequences are, and do the same thing for your parents. Enforce the rules against fighting firmly and consistently, no exceptions. Look for chronic disorder crowding in hot spots. For example, let's suppose um, in a school you have a school that's a little old, maybe a lot old, and the hallways are too narrow for the number of students you have in the school at this time. So the halls are crowded during passing periods. At one, pl- anyway, at one place, the hall makes an L-shaped turn. You've got a wing here and a wing there, and during passing periods, right in that L, you get this kind of vortex of crowded students trying to make the turn, and it just happens that the restrooms are right there, so it's like a, a real traffic problem. you got some kids trying to make a right turn and get in the bathroom, and some trying to make a left turn and get in the bathroom, and and it's a real mess. Well, first of all, if you know that's a, tr- a problem area, get in there, decide what to do. Maybe station people there. Uh, maybe the school needs uh, a real firm rule that whichever way you're going, you walk on the right side of the hall. You might think, well, all, you know, everybody knows that uh, when you go down the hall or wherever sidewalk, you're supposed to walk on the right side. That's a cultural phenomenon. Americans drive on the right side of the road. They, uh, Middle-class Americans think you ought to walk down the right side of the sidewalk. If you think that's universal, go to New York City. Anywhere you have a large number of uh, non-middle class and or immigrant people, you're going to find that the world, in general, does not observe that right, right side of the road rule. So maybe the school needs uh, explanations and a, uh, a rule that, because the halls are crowded, you walk on the right side. Maybe you need to station people, your, your teachers there, to monitor the traffic and help people move. Maybe you need to change how you structure your passing periods. I don't know what you could do, but maybe you could have uh, a series of time, I don't know. See what you can do to improve the situation. Uh, again, where you have crowding, is there any way to move students into more open space? Could you renovate a part of the building? Could you rearrange the space? Um, is it possible to have some students uh, take a different path, an alternative path? Whatever it is, see if there's a solution or multiple solutions, things you can do. Same thing in a classroom. Um, Look for places of crowding and disorder and hot spots. For example, um, if you want students to turn in their homework when they walk in the classroom and you put the place for them to leave their homework right by the door, you may have traffic backing up because the you know, the second or third kid to come in has the homework buried in the notebook somewhere. So she stops and puts her uh, three ring binder down on the table and while she's rummaging through to find her homework, you've got other students building up in the doorway and out into the hall and you get shoving and you get horseplay and someone bumps into her and pretty soon you've got some kind of disorder going. Just look at your own room and your plan. Maybe you need to take that place and move it back about five feet. Or maybe you need to put a box on your desk on the other side of the room, so there's a bigger open area in the front of the room. Students come in, tell them, go to your desk. Get out your homework, then walk and put it in the box. Whatever, whatever's going to work. Um, Look for crowded aisles. Uh, Very often teachers have too many students and too little space. Look at how much room there is in your aisles. Is there room for kids to get around at the back of the room? Where do you have stuff positioned? Are you squeezing people so tight that they come up against other students? Um, If you make them pass too close, you'll, you'll get this kind of stuff alright just take a look at your room look at the traffic patterns get rid of hot spots and crowded spots encourage students to sit rather than stand students can start a fight from a, a sitting position you can see two students mouthing off at each other across a cafeteria table and one of them gets up and lunges across the table at the other however it's less likely. Fights generally part of the build-up period, particularly for boys, a lot of physical movement, if you encourage students to sit and talk, less likely to have fights. Now the example I gave is in the gym before school starts. Let students sit with their friends, but require them to sit and not wander around. The rule is, you wait in the gym before school. You come in, You can sit anywhere you want with your friends, but you must go to that place, sit down. You cannot get up and wander around, you can't scoot around. You pick your place and you sit. Same thing in the cafeteria. The rule might be, you can sit with your friends in the high school cafeteria. That's okay. But don't, what's not allowed is to get up and wander around and hop from table to table. Get your food, sit down, visit with your friends. When you're ready to leave, get up and leave. No partying and and boogieing around in the cafeteria. Sit down. Um, Same thing outside, Um, if you have students waiting outside in the morning to get in the building, and they like to sit on a retaining wall, school people may get sort of a feeling that they ought to make them stand up. I mean, here's an opportunity for exercise and get off that retaining wall. Let them sit on the retaining wall, all right? much less likely to have fights when students are sitting than when they're roaming around. Supervise students closely and actively during slack times, and we talked earlier about when those slack times are. Put plenty of adults on the scene, require those adults to be alert and mobile. Watch students' interactions closely, look for the early signs, and move in firmly and diffuse the situation. Teachers often make the mistake First of all, they don't like supervisory duties. If you're assigned to supervise the lunchroom, uh, recess time, uh, the parking lot, whatever, teachers don't like it. So they will tend to kind of slough off, skip these supervisory duties, um, uh, or often they will take something to do while they have a supervisory duty. Like, I'll, you know, I might stand there watching uh, the parking lot and grading papers. That's a serious mistake. Teachers need to take their supervisory responsibilities seriously. They need to be where they're assigned to be at the right time, on time, the full time, and they need to be moving and paying attention so that if something happens they can get there fast. And you need to have enough of them present. Um, The example I use when I was teaching school I was teaching high school uh, the school was shaped like a U it had three wings and after the lunch period students were allowed to come out in the parking lot uh, within that U it had uh, some dumpster dumpsters and there were some uh, pop machines up against one wall and students just sort of wandered around and visited until the bell rang for everybody to go back in and uh, for know the next period to start I was assigned to supervise and that and I was standing on the edge there was a porch with a cover over it out of one side of the building and I was standing there it wasn't very high standing there supervising and on the other side of the of the parking lot I saw a group of boys that were clearly having some kind of argument, and you could tell that it was two boys arguing with each other, okay? And I was, you know, on my way over there when they seemed to sort of resolve, whatever it is, and one boy went off to talk to his friends, and the other boy went over to the side and sat down on a bench, and I thought, okay, you know, this is over, whatever it was. Fortunately, I didn't turn around and go back. I just sort of stood there. This one, who sat down on the bench, got up, went over to the pop machine, put his money in the machine, got a can of soda, went over to the bench, sat down again. And I watched him take off his shoe and his sock. And I thought, that's strange? I wonder if his feet are hot. And I'm watching this strange behavior. And about that time, he took his sock, and he dropped the can of pop down in it. All right? At that point, you know, sometimes people kind of go, what? What are you talking about? He made himself a weapon, OK? So as he was taking the sock, he put his shoe back on, I started running and yelling and he was headed the other boy was faced away from him and he was headed for the boy the back of his head with that pop Uh, by the time you know by yelling what I did was alert that boy and his friends and he turned around and defended himself so we didn't get bashed with the pop and by the time I got there You know, I was able to separate them. They didn't get into a fight. They were more focused on protection, and I separated them, and I started hollering for help, and we got everything settled down. So the moral of that is supervise closely, supervise actively, watch children, pay attention to them, notice what they do. All right? (laughs) And if you see trouble, get in motion fast and start hollering. All right, another lesson. Don't assume conflict is gone just because you got it calmed down temporarily. Stay with the situation. I saw those two boys part, go their separate ways. It would have been very easy to assume, oh, it's over. Stay with the situation. Don't assume it's over. When you become aware of ongoing hostility between students, often called bad blood, there is bad blood between these two students, or between this group and this group. Involve administrators, counselors, and parents early on. Don't just accept the situation. Don't wait for it to result in a fight. When you know there's animosity, conflict between groups or individuals, start double teaming them. Get in there early. Uh, Involve counselors, involve parents, involve principals. Get everybody You know, alerted and active early on. Let them know you know and start addressing it. All right, bullies. Now, we've talked previously about bullies. When you know you have a chronic bully or a very aggressive person, double team them. Don't let them move anywhere without being supervised. Involve adults in tracking them around. Now, I'm talking about kids here. who are chronic bullies and aggressors. I'm not talking about kids who are just kind of, you know, cranky. I'm talking about kids who actively assault and harass other students. Stay on their case. Uh, harass them. Make, uh, I'm talking about professional behavior. Make them aware that you are aware and that you are supervising them intensely. Remove them from the situation when possible and I'm talking about things like alternative schools, uh, other kinds of settings for students who are chronically, uh, who chronically harass, bully, and assault other students. Reduce external interruptions to class. We've talked previously, uh, teachers need to stay on task, they need to keep students on task, An orderly school will have the minimum of of interruptions to instructional time. A good school uh, teachers and principal regard instructional time as just a precious resource. You don't interrupt it. So reduce those interruptions. Develop good backup plans for monitoring when a teacher has to leave the class. And there are all sorts of ways to do this. Um, Depending on what kind of communication system is available, it may be that the teacher simply picks up the phone, calls the office, and ask for someone to come down and sit with the student, uh, sit with the class while she deals with something, whatever it is. Uh, It may be that the teacher needs to walk next door, tell a colleague, I have an emergency, I need to leave momentarily, and get the colleague to keep an eye on the class, whatever. But some kind of system for monitoring. Do not allow any type of play fighting or insult contests among students. Uh, there are some cultures that have as part of their culture uh, a ritual type of uh, insult contest. It often has a uh, name, something like playing the dozens. Um, it is the Yo Mama game. Uh, you find it in lower and lower middle class African Americans. You also find it in some other cultures. Uh, in in our area among uh, lower class Appalachian Whites, uh, there are some sort of smarting off kinds of games. Um, play fighting, I'm talking about predominantly boys. Uh, you will see some girls do this, but boys who do uh, swapping licks, they will haul off and wham each other on the arm as hard as possible, uh, or they will take a fist and Slam each other on the back so hard you can hear the echo through the child's uh, lungs. Uh, No play fighting of any kind. Uh, You probably need to uh, forbid it even at recess. No wrestling, no play fighting. Uh, There's plenty of other stuff uh, for kids to do at recess, plenty of other ways to get exercise. No play fighting, no insult contests. And the reason is, aside from the fact that it's not appropriate at school, play fighting and insult contests often turn serious. And you can get fights erupting pretty quickly. Um, Boys, when they hit each other, swap licks, the whole point of the game is to not express pain, to not say, ow, to be tough. Well, the other guy exceeds this kid's tolerance, causes him severe pain, you may get one of those spontaneous uh, reactions motivated by pain, and suddenly you've got a fight going. Same thing for insult contests. The point is to top each other worse and worse and not lose your temper. Well, if you lose your temper, you lose it, very often you have a fight going, Okay. No type of play-fighting, no insult com, uh, students. Now, one thing that's not on these slides that I'm just taking, it, taking for granted is no weapons in the school. And what, depending on the type of school and the age of kids, whatever is appropriate, and it may be the security guards, it may be the uh, metal detector, uh, whatever the school does, whatever's appropriate, no weapons, okay? Uh, minimize rough and tumble play. Again, the, the little boys who want to wrestle and sometimes not so little boys who want to wrestle during recess, I'd, I'd prohibit that. I would provide uh, equipment for sports. I would encourage that kind of activity. I would encourage running and jumping kinds of games. Uh, give them softball equipment, it's worth the effort and expense to buy the equipment, take it out for the kids than it is to let them, particularly boys, engage in the shoving, pushing, wrestling kind of stuff. Again, it often gets out of hand. Um, Organize activities during recess and free time and provide the simple equipment for the games. Keep them busy that way. Don't let them pound and thump and wrestle and, and, and bash each other for fun. Implement good ongoing programs for morale building and teaching skills and conflict resolution. Again, I believe a good school focuses primarily on academic success for all students. But a secondary support for that is to develop the children to help them mature, to build school morale, bonding with the school and with the class, and develop conflict resolution skills. Those are a legitimate and, in fact, important part of the curriculum. Um, implement early identification and intervention with overly aggressive kids. If you pay attention, you find these kids, the overly aggressive kids, early on and deal with them. Now. I'm not advocating making a really big deal out of some things. For example, you get, let's say you get a two-year-old in preschool uh, and she's just bigger and louder than her uh, fellow students, and so when she engages in normal two-year-old behavior like um, pushing, shoving, bashing, biting, taking toys away, she may seem Uh, more aggressive, just because she's bigger. Uh, Also, the fact that she's a girl is going to stir up some stereotypes. Uh, I've told you previously that uh, assertive behavior in girls is often tolerated much less than in boys. She doesn't need to be labeled a troublemaker. Um, She's engaging in perfectly normal behavior. She's just a big kid. Uh, I mean, you judge, is the incidence of her uh, pushing, bashing, uh, biting, taking stuff unusual? Most two-year-olds engage in that behavior except for the ones that cry and go hide. Okay, but generally when you know you've got an aggressive child, an overly aggressive child identified, don't just stigmatize them, get them some intervention. Work within the school system, counselors, parents, whoever, to get the child some anger management, behavior management, deal with that overly aggressive behavior. Insist that teachers start class on time and keep students engaged in valuable learning activities the entire time. Insist that teachers start class on time, have kids in the room on time, start instruction on time, have good learning activities, have good systems and rules and procedures, keep kids actively engaged in valuable learning activities for the entire instructional period. As opposed to be wander in when you want to, sit down, it'll take us 10, 15 minutes to start class, all sorts of noise and fracas, wander around, boogie up and down, back in the hall, and um, you don't have to stay in my class, you can wander out that kind of teacher really contributes to the disorder and uh, violence and aggression in a school. Insist that teachers start class on time and insist that they keep kids occupied in valuable, I'm not talking about busy work, Mm -hmm. valuable learning activities for the entire instructional period. Secondly, insist that teachers structure, monitor, and control hands-on activities and students' movement. When we have an assembly, we don't just dismiss the entire school or any one classroom to bolt out of the room and run down the hall to the gym. Same thing for dismissal at the end of the day. We don't have this giant rush out of classrooms and down the hall. We have orderly procedures, and we keep movement and hands-on activities under control. All right, that's the end of our second mini-lecture on fights. Uh, Third mini-lecture, we're going to talk about what to do with a fight, what to do about a fight when there is one. Take care.